We'd get together in a family circle singing loud. Daddy sang bass. Mama sang tenor. Me and little brother would join right in Good morning, sports fans. July 5th, nothing more American than a little Johnny Cash bringing us in the show. Kelly Patrick, Mike Indolfo, this is the Weekend Sports Buzz on 1450 WXVW. As always, we want to hear you in, hear you join the show, the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line 384-1450. If you want to join in the conversation, Kelly, did you have a good, uh, good of 4th of July? I did. I was off work, got to spend the, the day with the kids and, and one of my friends and his son and shoot some fireworks off and swim at the pool all day and had a great 4th of July weekend. It's it's seriously turning into one of my favorite holidays. Sure, I, I, mean, I can see why. We uh, we actually have a pretty big party at the house. Uh, we had we had a hundred yesterday, uh, which is uh, on the smaller side because when it's on the weekend, people go out of town more. We usually like around one twenty five, um, and um, it was perfect weather. I mean, besides the ground being a little wet, uh, it was just a lot of fun. I mean. Sit back. There's nothing more American than barbecue, bourbon, cigars, baseball. So all that was good except for the baseball. I was going to say, you watched baseball yesterday? Uh, yeah, the Reds actually were on national television last night. They were the game of the week on Fox. Who decided that they should be the game of the week? Uh, they should be fired. I tell you what, man. I, the Reds put this clown out on the mound, Josh Smith. And the the, the the power forward for the <laughs> I think it's Rockets? Josh Smith. Hold on. I got to check the guy's name now. I know his last name was Smith, but it might have been Tyler Smith, Tyler Bloyd. I don't know. Um, they, The guy didn't even get out of the fifth inning, and he hit four, he hit four guys. <laughs> like, Forget about him even being able to throw strikes. We're just hoping he doesn't hit somebody. Wow. And uh, it, it, luckily, he actually still kept it kind of respectable, but then the Brewers – Exploded, ended up having uh, a seven to three win. But now the Reds are in this situation. We got one week left before the All Star break. They're seven games below five hundred. the The Louisville bats are. There's maybe one or two big leaguers on the Louisville bats, and I don't think there's a, a big leaguer on the Louisville bats that's a star or even a a, a contributor uh, in the future. And uh, except the the bats did just get uh, a call up, Lance or is it Lance? It's not Lance Stevenson. I'm going all NBA with these guys. It's Stevenson, the pitcher, their top pitching prospect. Yeah, the guy they recently drafted. Uh, he is now going to be pitching in Louisville. Oh wow! So uh, just got called up a couple days ago. So Reds, I guess, are hoping that he can kind of get on the fast track and we can get him there. But you know, my take on the minor league baseball thing, the AAA level. AAA is going to be full of guys that you hope progress and are major league prospects, right? Certainly. Or guys that are talent level, just a step below the big leagues that you can call up to fill in gaps when you have people get hurt, but they're never going to be real big leaguers. Corky Miller. I, I was literally, that was on the tip of my tongue anyways. You can rely on them, and even if he's 25 or he's 36 years old, um, you know, that he's just a step below the major league level, and he's serviceable. Right, and uh, the Reds have had to, de- had to use those guys a lot more than every team. Like. Every team has to use them. They do. But this year, you're right, the Reds have been, despite or, or regardless of the fact that they're, they're not good, not a good baseball team, they've been depleted by injuries. 
Um, and so that <clears throat> that brings us to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, it was Josh Smith, by the way. So it was the power forward, except he's uh, six foot two, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, it brings us to the point of the year where uh, obviously the Reds are going to get through the All Star game, hosting the All Star game. I was really kind of hoping that they would be in a position to make a push to host the All Star game and to you know make a push also for at least the wild card. They're going to have to blow this thing up, Kelly. They got to blow up these because the the guys that you have now that you're paying a lot of money to Homer Bailey. Well, or the guys that you're gonna about to have to pay a lot of money to to keep. If you want to retain guys like Johnny Cueto, it was really not helping you. I mean, it's not like we can just keep signing these guys and not fill not and not have money to fill up other holes and the minor leagues so depleted. It's not like uh, really Johnny Cueto is going to help them or Raldis Chapman is going to help the Reds become contenders now because it'll eat up resources that they won't be able to fill in the gaps they have. So it looks like we're gonna have a fire sale. Do it right. Yeah, I'm. I'm of the. I'm of the. I want the Reds to be good. Look, I love Johnny Cueto. I think Johnny Cueto is probably one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. I think he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, Cueto needs to go. Vado needs to go. Vado, wow, okay. Uh, I. But what are you gonna get for someone like Vado? Aren't you selling low? I mean, you're a, a stock guy, probably. Isn't that isn't that a bad time to sell on someone like Votto? It's a couple years off of the MVP. Last year, obviously, he was hurt. This no, year, I think. I think. Sorry to interrupt you. I think Votto won his MVP in 2010. Was it that long ago? <laughs> Not a couple years ago. Five years ago. Wow. Let me bring that up. He's hitting 277. 2010, he won the National League MVP award. He's hitting 277. Um, his slugging percentage is still above in the 480s. I think he's a, a guy that if you needed a first base bat on a on a playoff oh sure play, playoff run, I think you take him. I still think you can get a couple of con, uh, prospects for him. Oh, he certainly has value at the major league level. The Red Sox or the Yankees or any the Blue Jays or any of those big budget teams would love to have him out there. That was actually an interesting capacity. discussion that we had yesterday at the barbecue. Is that uh, about how bad the American League East is? And you just rattled off three American League East teams. Yeah, uh, yeah. Someone's going to make a run from there. Yeah, Some, someone's going to have a chance to actually get hot. And you know they still have big payrolls. They've still got talent. And I, w- I don't think it's too far fetched to think Votto may end up somewhere like that, or he could end up somewhere else. You know, with the Dodgers or the the Angels. Uh, any American League team obviously could use somebody like Votto. But even a National League team with a big budget would welcome someone like Joey Votto. I don't think there's many uh, first basemen out there who are offensively more valuable. And his glove's still pretty good. I mean, it's not it's not great, but he's definitely not a he's not a defensive liability at first base. No, certainly means. not a not a liability at all. Uh, he's improved dramatically. I do think there's value there for for Joey Votto. Uh, Johnny Cueto obviously is your big one, and then Aroldis Chapman. You know, those two guys, you can stock with, – with those two guys alone, you should be able to stock some prospects. Um, it sucks to see Aroldis go, but I don't really see any way – I mean, what do the Reds need a closer for? You know? Yeah. Wait, aren't you supposed to close when you're winning? <laughs> so, he's not doing them any good. Um, I don't know. I it's it's It stinks that they're in this spot, you know? 
But that's part of it. What and, about? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say we're used to it. We'll still be Reds fans tomorrow. We will. Um, and you're right. They got to do what's best for the future of the, the 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 team and the organization as a whole. And we know the trickle down effect even hits us here in Louisville with the bats. And I think what you're going to end up seeing is I think everybody everybody is available except for maybe Todd Frazier. Really. And. Um, not that Todd Frazier is the guy you can build your future around, but he's definitely blooming into one of the best power third basemen in the league and um, a guy that could be a, a very integral piece. How, how about Votto, now that we just got the news yesterday that Miguel Cabrera is going to be out for six weeks? Yeah. Votto going to the, to the Tigers? Yeah. You know? They could use him. They could definitely use him. Who, who else do they have that, that plays first base? Well, doesn't Victor Martinez, I guess, could fill in there. Yeah. Um, or DH. I mean, you have so many guys like that. Yeah. I don't think Victor Martinez even catches anymore, does he? I, I doubt it. So they, they've got plenty of – in the American League, you open it up to a guy who has the on-base percentage of Joey Votto, which, let's admit uh, – Sabermetrics. Sti- What's that? Sabermetrics. If you're going with Sabermetrics, which is the school of today, Joey Votto is one of the more valuable players in the league, even though he doesn't have the flashy numbers that we saw in 2010. He gets on base, and the pitchers respect him. And the protection in the batting order, Joey Votto is second to none almost. Still. Votto ninth in Major League Baseball right now in, uh, in all of the majors, not just the National League, in on-base percentage. Ninth. Ninth. And he's considered to be having a, a substantially down year, right? Between He's point zero zero two behind Mike Trout and uh, just ahead of Andrew McCutcheon. So that's pretty good company. And you got to think that having little to no protection in the lineup hurts absolutely. his case for a better on-base percentage. Am I wrong? Well, absolutely. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, and, and it goes back – all that goes back to the inability of Billy Hamilton to be able to get on base. Jeez. Billy Hamilton, worst on-base per- – I'm just making this stat up, but, I mean, about as bad at getting on base as anyone I've ever seen play this sport. And it's really, I mean, he gets on base and things happen, right? I mean, he's got 40 stolen bases, and his on-base percentage is probably close to 100 points below where it really should be. Um, yeah, Actually, that's right on it, because his on-base percentage right now is, two, uh, is .272. So your on-base percentage should be better than a, a respectable batting average, and his on base percentage at twenty seven point two percent is just not getting it done. If he can ever figure out to do what he needs to do to get on base more, he needs to just hang out with Zach Cozart all day. Yeah, I don't know what Zach Cozart figured out in the off season. Maybe it was steroids. I don't care what it was, <laughs> but it worked because Cozart was known as the guy who had the the Golden Glove, right? He, I mean, I don't think he won Golden Gloves, but you know what I mean. He, he was a great defensive. Um, you know, shortstop, but this he's year probably one of the best defensive shortstops in the National League. I mean, he's definitely in the conversation for that. Year, so before year, he got hurt, year in, year out. Yeah, but, but this year, before getting hurt, he was he was killing it offensively. I mean, so yeah, you got to hope that Billy Hamilton progresses. Is Billy Hamilton a part of the long term plans for the Reds? They, you know, they hit him ninth yesterday. They they batted. They let the pitcher hit before him yesterday. Going with the old Tony Larusa. School of thought. A couple he's such man- a weapon, and actually, he's defensively he's turning into a, being a, a 
an average, at least, outfielder where he's not killing you. He had an, a terrible throw last night on a play at, a play, at the plate. But uh, he – I think you have to try to – because his weapon's so unique and so rare, being able to st- steal bases like that, and you don't – you could be losing a lot of the pop in your lineup – and you might have to go back to playing some small ball. I think you got to give him the chance. I just don't know how much of a chance and how long that experiment goes. All right. Is that enough Reds talk? It's painful. It is painful. It, but I also feel like there's maybe some hope. What do you mean by that? Five, I mean, if we, five years from now they might be good? Well, if we can go out and get some of these uh, these other teams' prospects that are, you know, maybe a year or two away, and and rebuild a, a really young team, and uh, and those guys will be at a lower salary number, so we can surround them with some maybe up and coming free agents. Um, then let's you know let's see what what we can do in Cincinnati. I just I want a winner. I want a winner in Cincinnati. Cincinnati needs the state of Ohio needs a winner. You know? So. Brings me to my next point, which I would, I made the statement to my friend yesterday that with the acquisition of LaMarcus Aldridge. The San Antonio Spurs. Coming back to the state of Texas where he played college basketball. Going to the San Antonio Spurs. In my opinion, the Spurs are the team that will come out of the West this upcoming year. The only question, because I've. Made up my mind. There's no question about it. They've still got Kawhi Leonard. They've still got Tony Parker. They, and Tim Duncan's, I mean, write him off all you want. I'm not going to. He's going to be there. So they're coming out of the West, Mike. Follow me. The I'll only, follow you. The only question is, will the Cleveland Cavaliers be able to defeat the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA Finals? You're, you're assuming that they're going to be there. I already know who's going to be in the NBA Finals next year. You think it's going to be the Cavs and the Spurs? Yes. I will say that the Cavs could not beat the Spurs. Okay. So the Spurs are your 2016 NBA champions. Don't even watch the season. Don't watch the season. There's don't, no reason. Don't go to games. Next topic. Don't buy tickets. Next topic. What about the uh, the shakeup, especially with those Texas teams? I mean, uh, the Mavericks picking up DeAndre Jordan. Very interesting. They want obviously want their games to take four or five hours to play. Which I, I like DeAndre Jordan's game. Have you seen his plus-minus Numbers? No. How are they all? Are they just unbelievable. Just unbelievably uh, positive. He cannot shoot free throws. He has boneheaded play after boneheaded play. But when he's in the game, he has an amazing impact of making it boring, but also of making his team very efficient. And then, of course, the news with Rondo going to the Kings. Uh, that's that's pretty amazing there too. Rondo now with Demarcus and Willie Cauley Stein in Sacramento. Uh, some people would say that Rondo and DeMarcus were the two most dysfunctional Kentucky players to play in the NBA. So uh, it'll be interesting to me to see how Rondo and Cousins, if Cousins is still there, how Rondo and Cousins get along. We're going to head to the buzz line now where we have caller Steve is on the line with us this morning. How you doing this morning, Steve? Oh, I'm sorry. All right, there we go. Steve, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. All right. What, what do you have for us this morning? We appreciate you calling in. Well, I heard you all talking about the Spurs, and with their big win the other night, what do you think their biggest hurdle is going to be taking the Western Conference? Thank you very much, Steve. We'll, we'll get right to you there. 
I still think it's going to be, uh, just in general, it's just going to be their in-state rivalry with the Rockets. Um, you think the, the Rockets will provide, because of the acquisition of Montrez Harrell, <laughs> Mike has already propelled no. the Rockets. No, I got you, Mike. I follow. Because of the acquisition of Montrez Harrell, bumping Terrence Jones out of the starting lineup. I got you, Mike. <laughs> Mike, I got you. Um, the, the Rockets are all of a sudden the biggest threat to the Spurs coming out of the West. Do you see Golden State repeating? No, I do not. I don't either. That, that is my point. It, when, when, when making this statement about the Spurs, um, and Steve was right. Steve, we really appreciate your call. That's a big win for them to get LaMarcus Aldridge. Huge win to acquire LaMarcus Aldridge. Arguably one of the more underrated players in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. In recent memory. I mean, not just of the past couple. Of, I mean, this, the Trailblazers have been uh, very successful in recent years. Now, let me ask you a question about this, though. I understand that last year, last year the Lakers were terrible. Okay, they had, but they had no Kobe, they had what? no Julius Randle. Are you kidding? Where, where is this headed? They just got Hibbert. <laughs> they now have a. a I would. I would. I would start Hibbert on my team if I was coaching in the NBA D League. Come on, every now. game, every game. He I was, was a valuable part of your Pacers for a long time, and now he sucks. So you don't think Hibbert's going to make a difference in L.A.? He's built physically similar to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in stature. Okay. I'll give you that. <clears throat> Maybe they should give him goggles and try to tell him to do sky hooks. The Lakers are going to have two guys that are going to be fighting for the NBA Rookie of the Year. True? Yeah. Or would you say they have two contenders for the NBA Rookie of the Year with D'Angelo and Julius Randle? Randle will be eligible. Yeah, because he didn't play at all last year. He was out with okay. that injury. Yeah, they, they could be. So, uh, you got you still have Kobe now. Kobe's got to get those other guys involved, which I don't know if that's going to happen or not. So Steve's question was, who is the biggest threat to the Spurs? And you are bringing up the Los Angeles Lakers. I am not bringing them up as a threat to the Spurs. I'm just saying I think they could be better than people are giving them credit for. Okay, maybe they'll fight for the eight seed. I doubt they'll make the playoffs. Are they better? Are the Clippers still that much better than them with no DeAndre Jordan? All right, who do the Clippers have now? They lost. Um, they got Lance Stevenson and Chris they, they Paul. They acquired and, Lance Stevenson. They still got Chris Paul. They still got Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. I uh, mean, I'm not a big Blake Griffin fan. So, yeah, I, I'd say they're still better. Chris Paul is definitely more of a star today than Kobe Bryant is. Am I wrong? Chris Paul is more of a star than Kobe Bryant is. Yes. At this given moment because of age. Yeah, for just reality, right today, yes. Who would you rather have, Chris Paul or Kobe Bryant? Well, I think Kobe's pretty much just collecting a paycheck and he's pretty much just done. So so he's getting paid twenty three million dollars a year. Yeah. And then Which gonna, is not as much as what Anthony Davis is gonna be making here pretty soon, but you know. No. So he's no Anthony Davis. Right. He's won five rings. Yeah. But he's no Anthony Davis. Kobe Bryant had an okay NBA career. <laughs> All right, the Western Conference goes like this heading into the playoffs this past year. Golden State, Houston, Los Angeles Clippers, Portland Trailblazers. Obviously, the Trailblazers' landscape will dramatically change. They still have Damian Lillard and many of the other talented guys that they had, but no more LaMarcus Aldridge. Memphis Grizzlies, who will still be very strong. San Antonio Spurs, obviously. You mean the Grizzlies are going to be strong because of the addition of Andrew Harrison? <laughs> no, because Russ Smith is still on the roster. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the way that the Grizzlies pay, play benefit Andrew more than they benefit Russ. Really? 
But they're a slow. Remember, uh, DA was here last week talking about how they're a slow it down team. They want to, you know, with a. Uh, did they get Gasol? Did they keep Gasol? They keep Gasol as of right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they're going to continue to be yeah. half court minded, slow it down kind of game, which will benefit Andrew more than it benefits Russ. If they were getting up and down the floor, it benefits Russ more, right? Well, I would almost argue that in certain, in the NBA at certain points, I remember um, there's many different examples. Vinny, the, the microwave Johnson, Johnson. Yep. For the bad boys, or Bobby Jackson coming off the bench for the. The Kings back in the day when they had uh, Vladi Divac, Chris Weber, Peja Stojakovic, um, that if you play a certain style, someone coming off the bench, in my opinion, and I'm a Cards fan, admittedly, can contrast that style and it can work where you come in and you're spark plug. And I think Russ Smith fits the bill there. Well, we saw that with Kentucky well. this year. With um, when you go from Andrew to Tyler. Okay. Yeah. No, that works perfectly. I agree. They were more of a. a um, uh, a different different style team with the different point guards in there. And I think Russ can play that. I'm not saying that Russ is going to be a star or that he's going to average 10 points or 15 points a game or anything like that. But I don't know. I wouldn't, I'm not going to put either Harrison above Russ Smith right now. Is right. that what you're asking me? Is it, but it is possible that the final roster spot could come down to Andrew Harrison or Russ Smith. Is that, do you think that's possible? Possible, sure. Be interesting to see what happens there. I would, I, I, I think Russ Smith is more valuable. That's just me. I'm a Cards fan, admittedly. So the Spurs, Mavericks, and then the Pelicans. Remember the Pelicans were in. So and, it, yeah, Anthony Davis obviously taking twenty nine million dollars a year on average to very, stay in New Orleans for five years. Huge. Alvin Gentry is coming to coach, which I like. Da did not like. He didn't like, but that. Uh, what was the reason that he didn't like it? He didn't think Alvin Gentry was a uh, was a winner. Uh huh. Um, he's a retread. He's a retread, and he is an interesting case of a retread, though. Gentry's last stint as an uh, NBA head coach, I remember watching him on the sideline. I, I know, I know his story, um, but that was ten plus years ago, I believe. Yeah, and he's been a, he's taken a step back and been an assistant for a while. He's obviously one of Championship with uh, with uh, Golden State last year. Um, he was the, the Clippers, the Pistons head coach in 98 through 2000. I, I remember that. Um, and he, he was the Clippers head coach from 2001 through 2003. Actually, it looks like he was um, from 2009 through 2013, he was the head coach at the Suns. Okay. But he he stepped back, so he's he's a, the the epitome of a retread, as Derek Anderson pointed out for us last week. But but are they going to take the step forward in New Orleans? I'm looking at these teams that Gentry uh, coached before that. And I'm wondering if uh, I guess not. I guess Derek never would have played with him, played for him as in, when he was on staff. Um, are you trying to pick apart maybe some? Feud, some, feud, some shade, some some feud between Derek and and uh, Alvin Gentry. <laughs> I'm sure he would tell us off the air someday. So actually, I wouldn't be surprised if he told us on the air. <laughs> that, that's with Derek. Yes, you're right. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, they still got to get some pieces. Um, but, but to, to make the playoffs again, are the are the Lakers? Are you making a case that the Lakers are going to come in and they're going to? Um, I mean, the Lakers finished a whopping 21 and 61 this past year. I don't know if you consider that to be – that's not a good record, is it? 
Maybe we should ask the the kids in here. The kids in there. No, it's not it's a twenty-one and sixty-one. It's not, but they had no Kobe. They basically had they had nobody. I mean, they all everybody that they no Julius Randle. Not that Julius Randle would have came in right away and been a stud, but I think most people would have thought Julius Randle would be a pretty good NBA player. Sure, uh, yeah, I, I still think he will. You know, basically with do you like with Anthony Davis' situation? His guards right now, if we just look at uh at the at who's gonna be getting him the ball, you have Norris Cole, you have Tony Douglas, Florida State guy, Tyreek Evans, Jemmer Ferdet. Wow, Eric Gordon, wow, Jeru Holiday, Quincy Poindexter, that's your guards. You know what's funny to me, and I always joke with my friend Adam Bird, who's hosted with you many times on here, is um, when you list players in the M- on any NBA team like that, my eyes light up, and I'm like, damn, they're good. <laughs> that's honestly what I was just thinking. Tyreek's the only guard out there that's good. None of those other guys are good NBA players? Just because I, I, I've <laughs> seen him play, and I've seen him play at such a high level, that doesn't mean that they're good in the NBA? No. Just like Russ Smith's not a good NBA player. Okay, well... I'm not good necessarily at evaluating NBA talent then because that does Eric Gordon's a very talented guy. He's yeah, but I think he's done. I mean, he's basically he picked up his option because he would have had no other options or would have been paid less if he if he wouldn't have picked up his option. Okay, who else did you name? Drew Holiday. Yeah, talented guy. He's he was co- coveted in free agency, right? Yeah, I would say he's serviceable. Okay, so so, so, so what do the the Hornets need to do to? To continue along their game plan, which is, in my opinion, not very different from what the San Antonio Spurs. They're trying to do what the Spurs have done. Relatively small market team. Keep, uh, you're equating Anthony Davis to... Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, which I think is, uh, I mean, Tim Duncan's probably the greatest power forward of all time, and Anthony Davis could pass him up. If he keeps this up for the next 20 years. Anthony Davis showing uh, that he's a better ball handler, probably a better better defender. Than, than Duncan? Yeah. And a better shooter. I mean, better a little, shooter. little bit different. But what I mean by that is an impact big man who... A once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-life-generation type player. That's what I mean. Obviously a little different than Tim Duncan, but almost similar in the, the, the level of impact potentially on the game. So what do they need, what do they need to surround themselves with? Is it three point shooters? Uh, I think you need to have uh, you need to have uh, an outside threat for sure. And uh, I think you got I think you got guys who could handle the point guard. I mean I think Holiday could handle being their point guard. Um, Drew Holiday, um, Tariq Evans, uh, more of a slasher type guy. He probably really hasn't lived up to his billing, but you know. They, they can get there. All right, we are heading to our first break. We'll be right back here on 1450 WXVW. Welcome back to 1450 WXVW. This is the weekend sports buzz. Kelly Patrick and Mike Gandolfo here talking about sports and talking about the uh, amazing holiday weekend 
Um, I hope everyone out there had a great time celebrating the 4th of July. We've got some special guests in the studio today. They're going to tell us about their 4th of July experience. Caitlin and John. How are you doing, Caitlin? Good. So what did uh, what was your 4th of July like? Um, we went to a parade in Willowwood, and we went on these water slides, and we got something to eat, and we had our ice cream before before our lunch. Yeah? Was it an all-day kind of thing? Were you hanging out with your dad and having fun all day? Yeah, and, and, at, and at the end of the day, we did fireworks, but we did a f- few days ago, too, but those were just little ones, but we did one last night, too, and Johnny's went way up into the air, and mine almost went way, mine went way up to the air, too, and someone else we know went way up in the air. Jackson's went way up in the air. Jackson, our, our friend Adam, his son Jackson got to... Um, Set off some fireworks too, and and they each got to take turns putting them into you know letting them out of their hands and the Roman candles and sparklers and all that exciting stuff. So nobody went to the emergency room. Nobody went to the emergency room. We, we actually had a uh, a little scary moment at our Fourth of July. We had a uh, we had you know those balls jump in the t- in the tubes and then they shoot up in the air and then the big explosions. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, we had uh, we had one of them. Uh, the guy dropped it into the wrong tube, and it, so it did not shoot up into the air, and so it exploded along the ground. Actually, burnt a hole in my daughter's shirt. Oh my gosh! So we did not have a uh, we didn't have any emergency room runs though. Luckily, um, John, tell me about your parade. Um, so we got to decorate our bikes. We were in it, and when we were there, we stopped at um. Water slide. Nice. At the end of the water slide, there was pools. So you all had a great day, huh? What did you have for lunch? Hot dogs? Hamburgers? Hot dogs. Hot dogs? Yeah? Well, before we had a, a deli bar. Yeah, was. awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you all had a great 4th of July. And uh, I know that, uh, like I said, 4th of July is a fantastic holiday f- for us. And we had great weather. And um, hopefully, now, did you have any cigars? Did you smoke a cigar on 4th of July? Did, did I? No, I'm talking to Johnny. No, no, I did not get a cigar. Oh, no, Johnny. Johnny, do you normally smoke cigars? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't even smoke cigars. So I'm guessing Johnny, right. six-year-old Johnny does not. I'll teach, you, you. I'll teach you the way, Johnny. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. All right. Good stuff there. Um, great holiday weekend. We've got to sw- spend a lot of time in the pool. Um and, and watch fireworks at the end of the night. So it's a, as you said earlier, Mike, great American holiday. And for me, less the less pressure that goes into a holiday and the less expectations that go into it, for me. As far as like no that, gifts. No gifts. You don't have to do a bunch of shopping. For me, I don't have to do any traveling. I just simply went over to my buddy's house and we got to stay the night there and swim. Yeah. And have the day off. I mean, it can't get any better than that. It's a relaxing day. A relaxing day, and it's celebrating our, our country's independence. So I make uh, 40 pounds of Boston butt, uh, pulled pork, and uh, the big achievement for me this 4th of July is um, you know Boston butt's perfect when you can reach in and just pull the bone right out, and it just kind of falls apart. And all four of my butts that I smoked, that's exactly what happened. I, the pork we had that I was was phenomenal so uh it was a lot of fun i i enjoy the whole july 3rd july 4th part of it you know third we're getting ready for our party in the fourth uh it was it was it's really is turned into one of my favorite holidays so 
And, of course, celebrating the independence of our country, which is pretty awesome. What's going on in the recruiting trail in the world of college basketball um, recruiting and the significance that that goes into um, college basketball? What What's the hot-button topics right now? Not necessarily just for this upcoming year. I know Maverick Rowan, who many Cards fans were holding on to hopes that he may end up reclassifying and possibly being a Card. He's not going to be. Well, he's going to possibly reclassify. But okay. He's not going to be a card. He's, he's not going to be a card, and uh, he's eliminate U of L from com, from contention. And I, you know, I I get it. Everyone looks at these guys like they can come in and step in right away. But this guy is was not he was not a surefire McDonald's All American. Actually, if he got, went back to high school, he couldn't be eligible for the McDonald's All American game anyway, because uh, I think it would have been his fifth year. Uh, he's he was. A mid twenties type prospect. I mean, he was a good player. Is he a difference maker type player for Louisville? In what Louisville fans were looking for was a Luke Hancock type guy, someone who could come in and provide offense. And is that the guy? Is that guy going to be that though from day one at Louisville? And is it easy to predict which no. guys will actually be that? Right. We thought Mike Morrow would be that. And um, I don't think it's that loss for Louisville is not the end of the world. They still have big time question marks that they're going to fill next year. I thought the, I thought the, um, I thought Kentucky, and I still think Kentucky has big time question marks that to fill. I just think with the addition of Jamal Murray, uh, Kentucky's filled a lot of their questions with that addition, assuming that he's able to play the way that we think he's going to be able to play and be a top five pick in next year's draft. So tell us about Jamal Murray. He's just in a dynamic sh- uh, scoring guard. How big? Uh, was he six? I want to say six four. Okay. So this is going to be the interesting thing for Kentucky is that now Kentucky's going to go from having this monstrous backcourt where everybody they started was six six or above to not having anybody who's six six. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Cal adjust, um, how Cal adjust his what he does based on having the smaller backcourt players because I think that's been a big difference for them in games. I think that's been a big difference when they've played Louisville is the length and the size that they've had on the backcourt has been really hard for Louisville to to overcome. Across the board, the size of Kentucky since Cal has been in Lexington, if I had to describe what's called spade a spade, why Cal has dominated Rick so much, I would say that it's because of the size and the length. The length advantage that Kentucky always has year in year out against the Cards, and uh, and so that's not necessarily going to be there this year. You know, in some ways, uh, it's going to be even in the front court. Louisville might actually have a little bit more length. Um, what do you think of the the play? And sorry to be bouncing all over the place, but of Shinanu Anuaku uh, recently. I mean, he's doing pretty well on on his representing uh, for the, the national team. Yeah. With his underhanded free throws. With his okay, do you th- how legitimate do you think Nanu is of a five man for this team going forward? I think he for sure. I mean, I, for the, sure what that he's their five man going forward. Okay, but how how good is he? Do you think we'll ever see him in the NBA? I I actually think there is a chance that you could. see I do Nanu. too. I don't know why, but I, I get the gut feeling that he has the physical size. He's only six ten, right? Uh, he's six ten, but he's strong. He's got good athleticism. He's, he's broad, and he he's sees the physical. floor well for a big man. He's a good passer. Um, I think that there is a chance that you could see him uh, at the at the next level. Who do you see starting for Louisville next year? 
Uh, the two fifth year guys, um, but I don't think they end the year starting. Interesting. Okay. Quentin. Obviously, Quentin. Quentin solidified his start, his starting position with his play in the tournament, no question in my eyes. Jalen and uh, Nani. Jalen, okay. With, although, honestly, Mango might get an early nod. I don't, just because he's going to be a junior, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But I think it's going to probably be Nanu. I, I guess between Jalen, Nanu, and Mango, you're going to see two of those three guys start. Was that safe to say? Yeah, no question. M- Mango um, brings plenty to the table, in my opinion, as far as overall contributions. Not necessarily very polished offensively at all, as we all know. But I, th- I think Mango is a, a valuable contributor, and he's going to hustle, and he's big, and he's long. And he's the captain. I mean, he's your he's your most experienced player you got on this team. So, I uh, I just feel, you know, when you're relying on guys who have never played in a Rick Pitino to be the bulk of your scoring, I just think it's going to be a a tough road. So, I think the addition of Jamal Murray is uh, separated Kentucky from Louisville for next year. And I, but I still think IU is going to have the best season out of the three of them. Really, you still think that? So I'm who's the start? I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but who's the start starters for the Kentucky Wildcats next year? Uh, Tyler, Tyler Ulysses at the J- point. Murray, Murray, Brisk- the lottery, lottery pick. Yeah, and Isaiah Briscoe, who could be a a first rounder. I think that's his probably late first round. Probably a one and done though. No, I don't know. Okay, I, I think you might you might get two years out of him. Okay. Um, Poitras. Oh, Poitras! Forgot about Poitras and Scal. If Scal's eligible, okay, that's who your that's who your team's going to be. What about IU? All right, so you're going to have uh, Thomas Bryant at, at the four man. We saw him at the, at the five the Derby I mean, Classic. Yeah, big guy who can shoot, who can light it up from everywhere. Very talented all across the board. Troy will be there three. I forgot about Troy. Uh, obviously, Yogi and Blackman were your guards. Who probably is the as good as any backcourt in the country. You got to love that team. They're all Derby Classic guys. Not Yogi, all. Yogi, not, Yogi, Yogi, Yogi Blackman Yogi did not play. Yogi and who? Blackman did not play in the Derby Classic. Okay. Blackman. Um, and their four but spot. Blackman's dad played for Kentucky, didn't he? He did. So you, there's ties. you got to like this team. Uh, the four man is probably the the real big question for IU. Hunter Pereira out. Devin Davis out. Um, they've got OG in it. Uh, Ananobi, who's coming in as a freshman. Jawan Morgan, who's coming in as a freshman. Um, Jawan Morgan might get put into that role. Max Holtzel um, transferred out. Colin Hartman can't really play a four. Um, that four spot for them is really where it's going to be interesting to see who they fill in. This In recent years, Tom Crean's Hoosiers teams have had the identity of being offensively explosive but defensively maybe lacking uh, substance on the defensive end of the floor. Do you think Thomas Bryant is going to be a defensive liability at the center spot? No. I absolutely don't. It's difficult for me to see in those uh, all-star games. I saw him as being someone who, wow, he's huge. That's what I was thinking. He's big. And he can shoot threes. And he's a gym rat. Okay, but I was. it's difficult for me to envision, and you've seen him play much more than I have, Somebody then turning into a, a, a great defender. 
But he is that, huh? He, yeah, well, he, when he played at Huntington Prep, he's had to protect the basket. And he uh, and they're playing, a, obviously, a pretty national schedule. Um, he is more than capable of, of being a rib protector for them and, okay. and, and keeping people out of the paint. Uh, depth is the issue then for IU. You know, I mean, I think it, I would take IU's guards over anybody else's guards out, out of those three schools. I mean, obviously, you can't go – Blackman and Yogi are, are well above – what Kentucky's going to put the guard spot and what I or what Lowell's. Um, Troy at the three, you know, to me is in the same boat. I mean, he's probably the best small forward out of that group. The best power forward in that group is probably Poitras. And Scal's the best center. So Louisville doesn't have uh, anything? With Bryant being right there behind Scal. They're totally different players. I don't think Louisville would have an advantage in any of those positions. Do you? Are you no. going to take one of these fifth-year guys that we, you know, played at Drexel and Cleveland State over uh, a James Blackman or uh, or a Troy Williams? Probably not. And are you going to take? But I would not put it past Rick Pitino to put something magical together. I don't think they're going to win the title, but um, you know, to make a, a wild season out of it. Have extreme lows. I could mean, be, this could be Rick's kind of. Yeah, I agree. Could be no, Rick's this, guys. This could be the type of deal that Rick thrives on, and that they have extreme lows. I always remember that South Florida loss on senior night, where everybody was up in arms. They wanted Rick fired, and then they went on the magical run to the Final Four, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, Rick's great. We love Rick again. And I think that I could foresee something like that happening this year. Trey Lewis, um, guys who can score in bunches. And, you know, a lot of times defense is an effort, an effort type thing. That's what it is. You know, you got to know Rick's systems. So you're right, two fifth-year transfers coming in, not necessarily going to know um, everything that Rick likes to do on defense. But I could see Rick thriving with this group of guys. And I think the – so with that being where you're going to have to take a group of guys and really kind of mold them together, do you think that they basically don't play anybody in the non-conference? The only test they have really is Kentucky because they can kind of go out there and just get some games in and learn how to play together. Or would you wish they had a little bit more meat on that non-conference schedule to really see uh, what they're made of before going right into the ACC play? I'm fine with it. I, I like the um, they get the easy wins. I do. Yeah. You don't. You like. Uh, you don't care that. Well, you're not a season ticket holder. No. So it doesn't, from that standpoint, it doesn't matter to you. Um, I'll go to some of those games, though. Yeah, will you pay for them? Probably not. Okay. When you're paying for the ticket, it's a little bit different, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Is this an intervention on me? No. What has this just, turned into? No, just, but you're right. I, I, I believe it. But what, what this team's looking for and what the Louisville basketball fans, I know that Kentucky fans fancy themselves as just being the most passionate, knowledgeable fan base in the world. Louisville fans are no slouches either. No, and, absolutely and what not. They're lo- what they're looking for is they want to see progression. They want to see um, Quentin Snyder develop into the point guard we think he can be. The great what what I foresee from Quentin Snyder by the time he's done as a Louisville Cardinal is that we're going to look back and we're going to say that was a great college basketball player. I really do. Now they do play. They do play Michigan State. So that's in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Don't know if Michigan State's going to be quite as good as they were last year. 
Uh, they're going to be having a lot. They have a lot of questions too. But here's your Louisville uh, non-conference schedule so far. You got Scott Pageant bringing his Sanford team uh, to the uh, to the Yum Center. You got uh, either Columbia or Hartford or some other opponent in the Brooklyn Hoops Classic. St. Louis, Grand Canyon, Eastern Michigan, Kennesaw State, uh, Missouri, Kansas City with uh, Kareem Richardson's team, Utah Valley, and Kentucky. That's your uh, that's the non-conference schedule for the uh, Loyal Cards. You know, Utah Valley actually might be coached now by Mark Pope. I got to check that out. Wouldn't surprise me. Rick likes to do that. Yeah, of all his old guys. You know, Mark Pope ended up playing like quite oh. a few years in the NBA. Yeah. He started a playoff game, I think, for the Bucks. Isn't yeah. that amazing? It's unbelievable. Him and Nazi, unbelievable. M- Nazi still, my buddy saw Nazi Muhammad at the uh, Louisville Athletic Club a couple days ago. So he's in, Nazi's in Louisville for some reason. His uh, kids go to KCD. Yeah, you're right. Mark Pope is the head coach at um, Utah Valley. How do you like that? That was a good call. You just recognized, we knew that he was Mormon. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah. But um, Oh, he's been coaching at BYU as an assistant for a long time. And, uh, uh, I thought I saw him that somewhere. He so. played from 1997 through 2005 professionally. Let's see. Does that? But does that non-conference schedule get you ready for the ACC? In this case, I think yeah. I I, I think that it, Rick Pitino will coach them up, and we know he also likes to coach them down. You know what I mean by that? And he will apply all of the pressure. That this team needs, he'll let them know that they suck if they suck. Do you drop? He'll, he'll even let them know they suck if they don't suck. Do you drop one of those games to one of those nobodies? Does maybe. Little... I think it maybe would be good. Um, Rick Pitino's teams—they don't like to shoot for being perfect each and every year. I don't know <laughs> if anyone does. No, no one that I'm familiar with starts the year out by saying they're going undefeated each year. Um, but what Rick, what Rick likes to do and what he thrives on is being a human being, Mike. And experiencing all the emotions that go into being a human being. And sometimes those turn into very intimate moments in restaurants, different, different things like that. But throughout the course of a basketball season, you have extreme highs and you have extreme lows. And that's okay. We are Louisville fans. We recognize that it is healthy to experience emotions. So you go up, you go down. And I think Rick will have them up and down and all around, back and forth. And he'll have them back to where they need to be come time for the ACC Conference Tournament. You know, there's something, there is something to be said for that because, I mean, the extreme general buildup of the high that was last year's Kentucky basketball season where, every, you know, you just builds, 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 <laughs> and then the massive drop-off and disappointment, um, was it was really hard to deal with. I mean, in some ways, I'm still kind of not over it. I've noticed a change in you since that day. Yeah. No, I mean, in all seriousness, I've you guys. Cutting were, myself. What's that? <laughs> I've been cut, cutting myself. <laughs> I've no. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, I've noticed you've been cutting yourself <laughs> during the show. Bunch of cuts on your arm. Um, but in all seriousness, it is an interesting way to go about the season. There will be no talks of Kentucky going perfect this year, will there? No. No. But. Was that the last two years that we experienced that? Yes. Well, I don't know how much it was last year until it looked like it actually could happen. I don't think it really happened last year until after they beat Louisville. And you're like, oh, wow, they actually might. Because they're non-conference. There's a situation where the Kentucky's non-conference schedule was pretty good. 
And uh, and this year they're going to find out early. I mean, they, they play Kansas. Kentucky plays Duke. They play Kansas at Kansas. They go – they play Louisville. They play Duke. It's, they're going to know what they're made of um, on that non-conference. Now, both teams have new pieces, and both teams have a lot of questions to answer, and a lot of guys are going to have to step up. And they're both going now. And I understand that the SEC is not the ACC in conference play, but uh, it's interesting to me. But it's on. Let me guess. It's on a huge uptick. I hear it every year. Huge uptick. The SEC. Oh my God! Have you seen Johnny Jones and what they're doing there? And dude, they got Ben Simmons and Blakeney. Okay, they do, and they I just mean, had a couple solid draft picks, didn't they? Well, second rounders. One first rounder, one second rounder. Ben okay. Simmons. Is, I don't mean to be completely sarcastic. It ben just Simmons seems... could be a top five pick in the draft next year, right? Okay. So they um anyway. Sorry. You're but there's a huge discrepancy. There okay? is. But to see the philosophy of how because I think what happens before Christmas can really affect what happens after Christmas. And I just uh it's interesting to me to see the two different ways that they're gonna try to piece their teams together. Um Neither is right or wrong. So, Of course, it is July 5th, and we're talking college basketball, but that is what you get when you tune into the radio. That's all right. We can talk college football with Kentucky getting their big recruit also. Cash. Cash Daniels choosing the cats over the cards. Cash and Daniels. The is that why you chose Johnny Cash? Uh, maybe. Maybe? No. All right. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back for hour number two of the weekend sports bus. Big Bad John, Big John, then came the day at the box. He said, I'll tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. Welcome back to 1450 WXVW, the sports buzz. You want to join the conversation, the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 384-1450. Mike Andoffo and Kelly Padgett here. One more hour talking sports. Kelly, two years ago, all I had to hear about was how um, amazing of a soccer community that we are becoming and how how much the World Cup meant to all these people. And we'd have these great watch parties at 4th Street Live when the Americans were playing and all this stuff. And we, we fast forward two years to, to today, and uh, the Women's World Cup is – the final is on today against Japan, and I don't think anybody cares. How many of the players from the team can the casual sports fan name? Hope Solo. Okay. When you say Hope, there, Hope Solo. A, another attractive girl on the team. What it, is her name? Well, I don't, I don't know if she's attractive, but Abby Womack's on the team that she's been on there for a long time. And I'm, I would say Hope Solo is maybe more recognizable than anybody on the guys' team. Well, I don't know. The goalie on the guys' team was really recognizable too. So, uh, of course, I can't remember what his name is right now. Uh, I can picture him. Who landed the no, guy? The, the guy goalie. Did, oh yeah, uh, Brad, Bradley. No, it wasn't Bradley. I don't know. Anyway, but I could always hope Solo is probably just as recognizable of a name, if not more so. And um, is Alex Morgan on the team? Yes. Yeah, she's she's pretty cute. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I remember. This Long should, time ago, Brandy Chastain deal. takes her shirt off, and uh, everybody was watching that World Cup. Everybody got uh, caught up in that Women's World Cup. Uh, for some reason, 
you know, I, soccer has kind of uh, not been as relevant now when the women are playing it, but it was when the men were playing it, it was like, oh, this is fantastic, and now we got the Louisville City FC, whatever. I don't know why we had the name City in there, but uh, it was – it's interesting to me that uh, – I don't know, that we've, we're trying to get caught up. We're trying to make soccer work, and it's just – it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I think that attempting to make soccer – significant in Louisville is is a good thing, and I think that over time it may gain some ground, and I think it already has. So you think we're going to have an MLS team? I'm sorry? You think we'll ever have an MLS team? Yeah, but I don't think that's really even that big of a deal. You think we will have an MLS team? I do, yeah. Wow. The current, I think the way they evaluate the expansion of MLS potential uh, suitors, cities, is by looking at things like attendance for their minor league teams. And the minor league affiliate for Louisville does have the, the number two attendance in the entire minor league system. Not that big of a deal, once again, but I do think we'll end up with an MLS team. It'll be interesting. I, have you been to a Louisville FC game? I have not been to a Louisville FC or Louisville City FC or whatever it is. Uh, I just... I, I It seems like we've had pretty good attendance for that thing. I, I would like to have maybe a little bit more of a commitment and, and and I just don't understand why the women aren't getting any kind of play on this. We, World we Cup. have a caller, Brian, the insiders on the line with us. I happen to know Brian is an advocate for soccer here locally, or football, as you may call it. Football. Football. I'm sorry, I pronounced that correctly. Football. Brian, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Mike and Kelly. How are both you gentlemen doing this morning? Kelly's actually really upset because of the loss of Roy Herbert to uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. He's really having a hard time with it. Well, you know, as a longtime Pacer fan myself, uh, I'm kind of glad he was dead weight. I don't know what they're getting from it except releasing his $15 million salary for next year. Uh, but, uh, boy, I don't know. He was just – so many games, he, he didn't produce anything. And he, he's a great rim protector, so they'll miss that. But uh, I can't be too disappointed getting big, a big, big boy Roy. I mean, I think his time uh, – I can't imagine his next – few years are going to be better than his last few, so uh, I think it's a good thing for the Pacers to dump that. I would like to see the Pacers uh, invest the money that they're saving and get someone back. Now they've lost both David West and Big Boy Roy, so uh, uh, it'd be nice to see some front court help from them. But uh, hey, Mike and Kelly, I wanted to tell you, I went to the Louisville City, my wife and I went to the Louisville City game at Slugger Field a couple weeks ago and was blown away by the atmosphere there. Uh, it was the night that they had... Uh, uh, night racing at Churchill, so I think it had 6,200. But last night, they had 8,200. They're all July. better than the bats now. I'm sorry? At, on the 4th of July. That's pretty amazing. On the 4th of July? I mean, I really think that it's a safe bet to say that's the next real sports program in time. I think they'll get a major league MLS team within the next two or three years. Good article in the Courier-Journal this week about uh, – the revenue sharing between uh, Louisville City and and the Bats uh, using uh, the baseball field there, and it, it's really not that. It's a good deal for the Bats, uh, but uh, it's not very good deal. But so I look for them to uh, design a park and the city invest in it, and I think the uh, soccer community in Louisville is really ready to explode. But why could they just not use the same stadium that Louisville's? That brand new soccer stadium Louisville has. Why could we not just? Is the University of Louisville? Yeah. 
I don't get this. So explain to me, Brian, because I have not been yet. And actually, I do want to go. I want to go see what it's, what it's about, what it's like. Um, and I, I come from a soccer family. Um, I, I'm not one of these guys that, uh, you know, I believe soccer is at such an advantage here in the United States over other sports because every kid starts off playing soccer. But most of them drop it and don't keep playing. Did we lose Brian? We lost Brian. Thank <sighs> you very much for the call there, Brian. I wanted to know exactly how they had the field laid out in at the Bat Stadium. I, I would think yet. that the seating would be horrible. Any way you do it, the seating would be horrible for that for that event. Because I don't know how you do it to make it a, a, a an effective spectator scene. So let's, maybe we can see if we get Brian back. So. Uh, yeah, we got Brian back. All right, Brian, Brian, are you there? Sorry, guys, I'm going through the hills of uh, in northern Tennessee and uh, southern Kentucky here on 75, and I lost you there. But, Mike, to answer your question, uh, they've already outgrown that, the soccer stadium, that the uh, engineer that uh, brought the football teams, the soccer team to Louisville is the same guy that designed that stadium, and... Uh, which I found kind of interesting, but they say that they're, uh, they're, they've already outgrown that. I think that only holds four or 5,000, and they've already got a fan base up to 8,200. I mean, that's, that's really remarkable, but I could see it firsthand when we went to the game, the excitement level and the young people at, that, at the game was, was really impressive. Well, how, how is the field laid out at Slugger Field? Because I'm, I feel like the, any way you do it, it would be really hard to make the spectator part of it work it was pretty good uh it, i was surprised it, it kind of looked like there wasn't a bad seat in the house i sat right would have been on the 50 yard line if it was a football deal so where was that uh, in the in baseball 20. terms where was that uh yeah it, uh, first baseline right around right right past the first baseline um home plate was kind of tough to see probably that was probably one of the worst and the and the uh Third baseline was behind Louisville City's goal. Third baseline was so. Did it go out in the outfield baseline to baseline almost? Yeah, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, it wasn't a bad setup. It wasn't bad at all. Concessions were good. I, 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 I bought a T-shirt. I mean, they, it was a lot of excitement. I couldn't get over the merchandise, and uh, but I really think, and I've been reading up on the MLS expansion. They're really looking for additional teams and. Uh, um, you know who's become a big advocate for it locally is uh, is uh, Valvano. Valvano, uh, he's really pushing uh, having MLS expan expansion in Louisville. A lot of people don't know that Bob played uh, college soccer. Yeah, Bob was a, played college soccer and college basketball. So, I, I mean, yeah, he said he was a goalie. Yeah, he was a goalie. Uh, but I was impressed, very impressed. You guys, I'd highly recommend it. If I'd have been in town last night, I would have went. But 8,200, I think it's second or third now in their league out of 16, uh, which is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, it is. 8,200 people for a minor league sporting event is fantastic. I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm blown away knowing that we've had, and maybe it's the season, maybe because it's the summertime and we don't have a whole lot of other things going on. You're not competing with the Kentucky basketball or Louisville basketball or Kentucky football and Louisville football. But it just seems like we tried to make like minor league basketball work here. And it was terrible. Never worked. Um, and I'd love to see you guys get the coach on or something. I think it would. Uh, I think that'd be a great interview. Hey, Mike. While I got you, um, 
I know we all know about American Pharaoh, and they, you know he's the uh, the buzz of the horse racing. But have you have you been following this Lady Eli? No, tell me about Lady Eli. Lady Eli uh, is six for six, uh, Divine Park filly, three year old. She ran and won the Belmont Oaks yesterday, and they also ran the Belmont Derby, both at a mile and a quarter on the grass. She ran hers in a buck fifty nine, which was a full two seconds faster. Then the boys did it, which was, equates to about 10 lengths uh, and hasn't been touched. And they think she could, she, she's looking at maybe the secretariat on the Arlington Million undercard. And, and, and definitely, uh, I mean, they're thinking that she might be the, all of a sudden maybe the best grass mile a quarter horse in America. Wow. Awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? I mean, undefeated Philly. Three-year-old Philly lady Eli, and I that mean, was on. Uh, uh, that was the race. That was on NBC yesterday. Is that right? Did I see that? Uh, I'm sorry. Say it again, please. Was it on NBC yesterday? Was it on national television? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it was. And then actually, there's some uh, live. Uh, there's there's another one. Uh, they've got the uh, United Nations handicap today uh, going. Uh, so, uh, and I think main sequence gets back in action. The uh, the the, the turf champ from last year so there's some good racing today uh and uh the german the the uh german derby is today 18 horse field in hamburg so there's a little international horse racing trivia for you today the um the haskell it looks like uh it looks like that's where where american pharaoh is going to be headed next and the field yeah. that the Haskell, the, they've extended invitations out to all kinds of uh, of contenders. What kind of field do you, we think we're going to see Pharaoh go up against in the Haskell? Which really isn't that far away. I mean, we're less than a month away. No, they've got a lot of good horses that have been nominated for the Haskell, including Firing Line. Um, tell you another horse that uh, came back, Texas Red ran yesterday, Mike, and was a very impressive second for uh, the DeSormo brothers. And the next race for that horse, yeah, and the next race for him is the Travers, and and they really think so. I mean, American Pharaoh is the dominant horse, but uh, horse racing is doing pretty good right now. There's some horses in there that could give if he doesn't fire his A game, there could be uh, he, he could he could be challenged. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I I I think if uh, it the obviously it's just gonna be great for the. Uh, the Breeders' Cup this year, if uh, Farrow goes in there after winning uh, the Haskell. Uh, but that Breeders' Cup Classic, especially if Texas Red can get in there, uh, because that was the one horse that never really even made it to the the prep side of things. He got hurt. So he got hurt in, what, December or January. And uh, Yeah, yeah. He was the Breeders' Cup champ, I believe. Wasn't right. He? Yeah. So it'll be very, yeah. uh, very cool to see if we can get Texas Red in there. See him go against California Chrome. See what happens. So, uh, firing line. Portman should come back. Uh, commanding. Who's the Who's the Pletcher horse that I think still undefeated? That's been running for about a mile. Uh, uh, commanding curve or something like that. But uh, Lady Eli, you know, I, it, it's not unusual that a filly could be the best horse. We've seen that with Zenyatta and some other uh, great ones over the last few years. So I mean, I was really surprised. Go look at that race. Very, very impressive yesterday on the Belmont card. Do you think there's any chance that Pharaoh tries to run in the half? Let's go in the Travis. Did we, did we lose him? 
I believe we lost. Ah, uh, that's all right. I believe we lost Brian. Great stuff there from Brian. Uh, interesting that that certain people take an interest in the the local soccer scene more so than others. Brian, obviously, a little bit more of a maybe a niche type sports fan um, than your average average uh, everyday type guy that uh, just likes basketball and football. But he likes the soccer. He's bought in. Would you want to go to a, a, a little FC game? Louisville City, Kelly. W- would I want to go? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd like I'd... to have a good time. I don't have much free time in my schedule. Uh, we we accidentally lost Brian there. We've got him back on the line again. All right, uh, Brian. Yeah, guys. If I drop again, I'll just I won't call back. But Mike, you were going to ask me a question. I just asked. Do you think there's any chance that he runs in both races the in August? Does he run in the Haskell and the Travers, or do you think it's just going to be the Haskell? Oh yeah. I think so. No, he's Zayat's on record saying he definitely they, he wants to run him three times, and I don't think he would pass on the Travers. I know he's from New Jersey, and that's a home deal for him. But uh, I don't think you would if you didn't think you were going to make the Travers. The Travers next to the Derby for these trainers, in my opinion, is the second biggest race for three year olds. So, to, to, yes, I definitely think he he's got the Travers. He wants to. Do, win three and retire, but I definitely think he wants to run in the Travers. So Texas Red versus American Pharaoh potentially in the Travers Stakes. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, and, and Firing Line and Dortmund and uh, who knows who else. But, I mean, I, I think they'll get a – I think that Travers could be – you know, we'll have to get through the Haskell first and make sure the Pharaoh comes out of that in good order. But, uh, man, oh, man, there's some great racing leading up. I, and as you were mentioning – the way this Breeders' Cup is, is shaping up for for Keeneland, I tell you what, you might not be able to get in. You might not be able to get within a hundred miles of a hotel room. I mean, it's going to be the biggest thing that's hit Central Kentucky maybe ever. Well, you could give me free tickets, and I wouldn't go. Honestly, <laughs> I agree. I, mean, I agree. It's just agree. it's going to be such a mess. It, it, I don't see any way how you don't. It doesn't take you six hours to get home from you know Keeneland to, to Louisville. So. Um, I've been to Lone Star Park when they ran the Derby there, or the, the Breeders' Cup there, and that was a mess. I've been to Arlington when they ran it there. Uh, Gulfstream before they renovated, I ran, went there for the Breeders' Cup. Those small I was at that 99. And England's a small one. They're bad. I was at that 99 Gulfstream Breeders' Cup. Uh, oh, did you? Cat Thief, Cat Thief uh, Pat Day, Cat Thief won the big one, 19-1. Yep. to 1. And I was I was there. And it was, it was you know, like you said, you had to – as soon as the fir- the previous race was over, you had to get in line to bet, and hopefully you got up there to make a bet in time. And uh, you know it's a little bit different. Gulfstream yeah. and Gulfstream in November is a lot prettier than uh, <laughs> a lot lot better for local right. location. So you're right. Put they up they with have it. bad weather there too. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that the weather at Keeneland is going to be good then. And you got a Kentucky home football game against Tennessee. You got you know all, every hotel room in Louisville is already sold to the farmer, the 4-H convention, or the Future Farmers of America, or whatever. Future Farmers of America, I think. That's going to be here. It's, oh, that's uh, right. It is. Uh, it is going to be a mess. I don't. I don't know how it won't be a mess. We'll see. I will not be. I will not. You're right. I wouldn't go if they, if I had tickets. But it's a great thing for Lexington. It's a great thing for Keeneland and the state of Kentucky. Uh, you know to have it. But uh, but I tell you what, horse racing is really doing well, and it really just not because of the excitement of Keeneland. It really may shape up as a fantastic card. I can. I will bet for my Twin Spires account, sitting on my couch watching the whole thing. So, uh. exactly. <laughs> All right, Brian. Thanks a lot. Hey man. guys, I'll, I'll hang up. I love the show. I'll listen to the rest of it. Thanks a lot, man. 
Always good to hear from Brian the Insider. Certainly. Always a different perspective. He is pro uh, soccer in the city of Louisville. Now, what does that mean? I think the degree to which the, the soccer expansion is happening and taking over the city is up for debate. What about them outdrawing the bats? Do you think that has something to do with that there's fewer dates? With the what? How about them all having a better you know, attendance than the bats at their uh, one event? Let's Let's – I think the newness. I mean, minor league baseball has been around Louisville since when? But we've always the 70s? always been or, one no, of the best. Probably before then. Always had some of the best attendance in minor league baseball. Always have, but I think that the the new factor. It's been a part of well, Louisville baseball wise was one of the first major league baseball teams. Uh, when you know in the eighteen hundreds in the eighteen hundreds, yeah. But they've had a minor league presence, you know, from the Red Sox to the Cardinals to the Brewers to the to the Reds. Um, for a long time, and uh, but but I think I work in the restaurant business right now, and and if you open a new restaurant in a new market, it's going to have great numbers that first year. It, it normally takes a step down the next couple years, but to sustain that type of success, you're looking at a good business. Um, I think that that element of things is uh, playing into the favor of this Louisville FC uh, club soccer team, whatever it is. Minor league MLS team. But we're not even the step below MLS, right? Is there another step above Louisville City FC to the... I believe you're right, yeah. So we're like a double-A baseball team. Regardless, though, my case is this, Mike, is the MLS isn't even that big of a deal. No. Am I wrong? It's not that big of a deal. Who cares about the MLS? Well, you're going to have a lot of the... Who's the best player in the MLS? Sorry to interrupt. I, I don't know. Does anyone know? You think there's a writer out there who knows somewhere? 502-384-1450. If you know who any of the players in the MLS are, please. David Beckham's in there still? Playing for LA? Do you know? I, 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 I thought he was gone, actually, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. So the MLS is something that is not real popular. Um, you watch ESPN and you watch soccer. Those aren't MLS games. Those are Champions Leagues and things like that, right? Yeah. Soccer's on in my restaurant that I work in. Soccer's on ESPN a lot right now, but not not MLS. Well, they do play some MLS. I know they played like the New York's. They had MLS rivalry week last week or something like that. Isn't the on. Seattle? What is it? Seattle Sound. You, you, they have I, a real big following. No I idea. believe. Yeah, there, there's a couple teams. I think Portland's got a team with a lot of support. Um, it's all relative, and I don't think there's any question that we are still a basketball first market, right? Basketball first. Football second, baseball third. I don't foresee that that changing anytime soon. Now it looks like uh, I'm looking at this. I guess they've got a couple MLS teams that they play. So they just played the Chicago. I knew that they played the Chicago Fire in some sort of tournament. Only lost zero to one. It's so hard to follow um, soccer, in they, my opinion. They play the, my American ethnocentric point of view. Um, it's difficult to grasp what a friendly is. It's difficult to grasp how clubs in Europe can trade players for each other. And I the mean, it's one just thing a whole I like, different animal, whole different animal. I'm not saying I don't like it. I just don't understand it. The one thing I think that's really cool is they will take, and let's say the two worst teams in the major league baseball drop down to AAA and the two best teams in AAA go up to Major League Baseball, I think that would be a cool... No, that makes sense. And there's some other pretty cool uh, factors that go into the whole the season-long thing and, and year in, year out. It's neat, but you got to really throw yourself into it to get into it. 
And I, I just haven't, for whatever, for whatever reason, I haven't been able to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just, it's, uh, I don't mind watching international soccer. I, I can sit, I can sit and watch a soccer game. Can you? Yeah, and I have. I have too. When I was real excited and drinking, because maybe the U.S. was going to advance in the World Cup. I just, but, but, but it's difficult for me to watch it because, because I, I don't understand. I don't. It's not what I grew up loving. I, I, you say we grew up playing it. Yeah, that was the first sport I remember playing. But I but don't. For most people, graduate on to something else. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's a uh, inferior sport, but it's just not my cup of tea, and I don't think it's the cup of tea for many people here locally. Well, I want to let's let's take a break, and but if we get an MLS team, as someone who would like to see the NBA come to Louisville, gonna be a little upset. Not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Would that hurt our chances of getting an NBA team? Um, well, I'm just talking about the from a city investment standpoint of hey, yeah, let's bring in a pro MLS team, let's build a new venue, and I understand it'd be cheaper, but I also feel like the return would not be as big. So let's get on that side of the argument when we come back for the last half hour of the Weekend Sports Buzz. And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio And I've been everywhere Alright, welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Kelly Patrick and Mike Andolfo here uh, talking sports after, uh, a day after celebrating our nation's independence on the 4th of July. You can call in, join the conversation. Oxmoor, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram Buzzline 384-1450. We're going to get into a little discussion about whether or not Louisville can support an MLS team and what that does for our prospects of getting a franchise that we'd actually care about. So... I'm uh, not saying I know there's people who care about having an MLS team, but the definitely the the reach of having a NBA team, an NBA franchise would be a lot greater. And uh, especially right now, Kelly, in my eyes, you get an NBA franchise here and you would basically have a team with a different Kentucky player coming to play almost every night. Let alone the guys who play for the actual team. Yes. Probably have a couple, at least bench warmers. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have... Does uh, it mean fiscally it would be a success, though? I think that would help at the beginning. Certainly wouldn't hurt. Until you're a contender. But when you see what happened, you know, the atmosphere that's happening in Oklahoma City, the ha- what's happened in San Antonio, you know, all these cities are... Memphis, all these cities are... Uh, Memphis is basically the exact same size Louisville is. And I guess my concern was it's been so anti from a from a city perspective. It's been anti bringing the NBA here, spending the money, getting the NBA here. Even though that the economic impact could be pretty big, could be pretty big. It also could be a flop. It could be. You got to take risks though. Sometimes, right? You had to take calculated risks to 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 take your city to a different landscape. Because to me, is that what we want to do? I would think so. I mean, don't you want to attract? You want to attract young professionals to be here as as a place. You want to being a major league city is a major factor top, in that. You want to have top flight, uh, top level exotic dancers move here. We already have one. Of the, we're already one of the best restaurant cities in the United States. You you put in um, 
that you have some sort of professional sports franchise, it makes us a much more attractive place for people to relocate okay. to attract professionals from across the uh, the United States. I love the NBA, Mike. You don't have to twist my arm too hard. I don't love the NBA. I do. And uh, but overall, I think that it's. It's to me very obvious that we we could support an NBA franchise. I don't think it's uh, uh, again because you look regionally. How many people would that attract from Cincinnati to St. Louis to to Nashville? Um, you know, we would draw people to our I think to our our minor league or not our NBA franchise if we had one here. Now, the discussion though. We get an MLS franchise, let's say, in the next two or three years. We skip a step, like, or maybe we don't skip a step. Maybe next year, Louisville, the Louisville City FC goes to another league that's one step below the MLS, and then we see what that's like, and then we actually become an expansion team for the MLS. Okay. The Louisville, the city is going to have to invest money into a soccer stadium, right? Yeah. Um, not sure where the site would be. It would be a, a different river road, maybe. Sure. Uh, there's 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 places that would definitely house it. It's obviously not as expensive. That's what I was going to say. It's not near as much of a financial investment as the NBA would be. But it's as much as a financial reward either. No, it's a single. It's 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 going for a Pete Rose single instead of a uh, Barry Bonds home run. So we make. Let's say we take that first step and we go MLS. And it works out. Does that people then change people's mind and say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we can expand a little bit more. Maybe we can say, let's let's maybe the NBA thing could work here." Sure, I I, I don't see that uh, being prohibitive for us getting an NBA team by any stretch. I don't see that having any type of negative impact. I guess I, I think so- it could be a single which leads to a uh, whatever you would analogy you want to use, where where possibly we see financial. Positive repercussions, bringing different types of people into the city um, on a small, much smaller scale with the MLS. But yeah, I don't think it's bad. It, it would be proving that an actual top-level American professional franchise, which keep in mind I said earlier the MLS isn't that big of a deal. Still, it's the top level of soccer players in the United States. Um, sorry. Yeah, you un- you unplugged yourself. Yep. Something along the lines of unplugging yourself happened. Nope, still can't still don't got gotcha. you. Major League Soccer coming to the city of Louisville would be significant. Would it make believers out of people who are not soccer fans possibly over time? I would like to go to the games. I want to go to the Louisville City FC games as it stands right now. I want to see him play. I, I, I would be entertained. Um, but but could it prove that a, a financial impact of a professional market could work? Let's see. Mike, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yeah, from oh, the different mic. I can't hear you, but that's okay. I'm sorry. Are you there? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, good. We're we're just in the uh, opposite room from each other. It's not like we're going that far. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I I don't know. It would be an interesting case study to see with the MLS coming. Keep in mind, I can't name anyone in the MLS right now. I don't think you can either. Nope. I don't think many of our listeners can. So it doesn't really matter. It's almost a a very boring subject. Um, but uh, on on the the long term, 
consequences of it could prove that it's viable to have a, a professional, top-level professional franchise in the city to some degree, and maybe it leads to the NBA. I don't think we'll ever have NBA in the city of Louisville. Never? I'm okay with it. I think, uh, if anything... That it goes from a uh, that it t- maybe starts to change us from the uh, the mindset of being a minor league college town to at least introduce the fact that we could be a major league town. Yeah. So let's the, the NFL is always is obviously the epitome of uh, of 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 successful majors. successful business model. All right, the, or a major franchise. Okay. If we're ranking the col- the professional sports in the United States, yeah, you're right. The, the NFL, NFL number one, NBA's number two, correct? Um, Revenue-wise, I don't know. I think Major League Baseball may be ahead of the NBA. So, Ma- Major League Baseball is a cash cow. So then we'll go. And NASCAR's ahead of both of them. You th- okay? So NASCAR's number two. No, I think NASCAR's ahead of of NFL as far as overall revenue. Let's go with fan attraction. Okay. Do you consider the Kentucky Speedway to be there to to be a Louisville thing, a Kentucky thing, or a Cincinnati thing? Um, it's in the state of Kentucky, so we get credit for it. But I would say it's more of a Cincinnati thing. But you don't associate it with the Louisville thing. No. Okay. So NASCAR doesn't really help our case. All right. So you go NFL, NASCAR, NBA, or Major League would be three, four. Hockey's five. Uh, MLS six. MLS six, yeah, okay. I don't know what else there is. Well, that's that's probably true. I mean, I guess there's. How would you put our professional golf or our professional? I mean, we've done great with the professional golf. We have professional tennis. I'm looking at the annual revenue generated by the billions. Okay. With the B. Um, NFL generates nine million a year. Major League Baseball is number two with seven point five billion, and. Um, the the NBA is up over five billion now. All right. So, is it the step? Is it the step that we need to take to maybe introduce us into those other major league sports, which would only really be the NBA is the only other one that we would be able to even really attract, right? The NBA. Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe maybe there's a point where hockey could catch on here. I don't know. But with that being said, like I look at what where's your competition. So the only competition we really have to deal with is the Pacers for the for an NBA team. Okay. Yeah. But that's close. That's an hour and a half away. But we have the Predators, you have the the Columbus Blue Jackets, you have the St. Louis Blues. You know, all these we have a lot of NHL teams. We have more NHL teams within four hours of Louisville than we do NBA teams. Okay, so you're saying it's more viable because of the the regionality of it, lack of comp- competition locally, and you know, someone who lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, wants to go do a week NBA weekend in Louisville, which they could do in Indianapolis, obviously too. That's you have to attract that regional draw. Do for, you do? That's really important. I grew up with my dad taking me to Indiana Pacers games throughout the 90s and 2000s. I mean, just look at our connection with the Reds. You and I are both lifelong Reds fans. And it's very similar. I mean, uh, we, we, we definitely um, identify with being a part of that market, even though we're an hour and a half away. But is it, is it easy to just drop something in? For example, they're a good example in the hockey world. That's worked for hockey, but not for baseball. So you're saying that hockey is more transferable or more uh, easily 
to 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 magically or not magically, but to put a franchise there and have a just organic fan base. You know, Tampa Bay is a very interesting take because Mark. Florida is obviously a, a huge baseball state. Okay, the yeah, way yeah, Kentucky their, their is a basketball their state. Their attendance is horrible, though, for baseball. Even when they're good, their attendance is horrible. Uh-huh. And they've also got the other aspect of their being in the American League East. There's a lot of New England Northeast transfers, specifically from New York, that end up in Florida. But I was talking about Tampa Bay, the NHL team. I understand that. That's this is the but this is the analogy I'm using is that it's really interesting to me that you can be in a baseball market. Draw teams from an area where a lot of your residents come from, and not only that, then you take the uh, the the Latin influence that's in Florida and a lot of the Latin influence that's in baseball, and baseball doesn't work. But yeah, you take hockey, and it works. And it works. Snowbirds. It's got to be snowbirds, right? I don't know. People coming down from New York or wherever they're coming from, going to Florida and wanting to live there, and that's why they like hockey. I don't know why. It's a great. Uh, case study. Um, but professional sports in the city of Louisville, for the time being, we have the bats. We have Louisville City FC. Maybe the next step will be the MLS. We'll see. Time will tell. And if, if we do get the MLS, I argue it doesn't really matter. We're going to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned. Mike and I will be back with more of the weekend sports books. Made a good run, but I run too slow. Took me down in Juarez, Mexico Played in the hot joints, taking the pills And walked the sheriff from jail